Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Just past the 3 o'clock hour. Welcome back. Big Show rolls on on a Monday. Craig Bullerjack filling in for Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Gordo, where did Jake go, do you know? Uh, I think he may have gone to Powell. I'm not 100% sure. but uh, I Oh, I was... thought he went to jail. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I need to make a few calls. Make a call on that, will you? If we have to, we can get a hold of him, see how he's doing. Uh, we should. We should bomb him with a bunch of calls. I don't know whether he's got reception wherever he is. But oh, man. Let's bother him a little. Yeah. Hey, let's get out to the T-Mobile uh, Sprint Hotline. Uh, Cam Miller, college football analyst and writer for SB Nation. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Cam, how are you? Thanks for uh, for taking some time on a Monday. Yeah, hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate always being out here. But uh, yeah, busy Monday, busy weekend, busy weeks ahead with uh, Big Ten, SEC, every all these teams coming back and wanting to play. Uh, it's it's only going to be busier. So it, it well, feels like we're in football season finally. Yeah, it, it does in the NFL as well. You know, I keep looking at the polls. You know, fourth weekend, uh, one conference still what would you say dragging their feet? The Pac-12, is this going to happen? Because what ha- you know, Cam, in my mind is that if you want a second Rose Bowl, right, you've got to get on the field. And I know they want to take care of the players' health. But when's that, when is that trigger going to be pulled and the decision made? Do you know? I don't know yet. I do know what they've been able to, to sort of squeak out. And I think, you know, a vote will come thursday but hey a vote was supposed to come this past friday and we've seen what these votes will do or have done in the big 10 and how much you know these reports are accurate so nothing would surprise me at this point but unfortunately what it's looking like to me is that we'll hear more about some sort of official or official ruling on thursday uh and then maybe you know i think the earliest that they've said they're comfortable playing is halloween night so that's uh i guess if we look forward to that we can have some games on halloween and, and, and be hopeful for that so we had some news around here uh, today. It was that uh, BYU quarterback Zach Wilson, he said he had uh, the coronavirus over the summer. Do you know how pervasive, how, how, many, how many college football players have either had it or do you are you suspecting will get it over the, the course of this season? I don't want to say the vast majority, but at this point, I, I would like to think that a lot of the players that are being tested consistently and still, you know, living on campuses around the country that haven't gotten it probably had it at some point in the in the past. You know, we had so many months of them not being on campus, especially when it was a scramble to just cancel everything in March, and we sort of lost touch with everybody in April and May at that point. So I think there's probably a pretty heavy majority of players and athletes around the country that probably had it and just didn't even know they had it with all these asymptomatic cases that are popping up everywhere. So I would say there's probably a pretty hefty portion of players have already had it, and that even most of these that now, you know, especially in these schools that aren't playing right away, they've probably got it at some point or have a greater chance of already having it as well. So, you know, we're, we're going to get to the, uh, the point where all these schools are playing and, and we're going to start seeing the cases sort of dwindle down because of that, I think, too. Cam Miller joins us uh, from Sportsbee Nation here on The Big Show. Uh, Cam, another question that comes to mind, uh, once play really gets into rhythm, 
And let's say what happened to BYU this past week with Army, and that get that game was put on hold. But what happens? And again, I'm I'm expecting there's going to be games canceled or postponed. I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but I'm guesstimating that. Is there a plan in place from the conferences or the ads or the presidents you may have talked to, uh, or, that or commissioners? If, if multiple games are lost, what would that conference do? Because I, I still it's, think that could be a storyline come November. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting to me, and that's honestly, if I were a big fan of the Big Ten, I'm not saying I'm not, but I'm saying if I'm a big fan of one of the schools in the Big Ten, I would be super nervous that they're trying to play eight games in eight weeks without that flexibility of a bye week. We're seeing the ACC still go through it. We're seeing some ACC schools with two games in, but we haven't seen Virginia Tech and Virginia because their game was postponed until December at this point. There's going to be postponements. There's going to be more of the Army situation with the Army-BYU game. There's going to be more of that. So if I'm in the Big Ten, if I'm in the Big 12 or Pac-12, I'm, I'm hopeful that the Pac-12 schedule looks a little bit more fluid and, and allows for some of these things and the contingency plan. You know, you'd hope with this much time and this much planning – to get into it i know you want to get as many games in as possible but at this point more games is better and and the flexibility to have more games is obviously crucial for this so again i'd be worried as a big 10 fan but i'd also be worried as a pac-12 fan that it wouldn't be done properly because ultimately we're gonna this is just the tip of the iceberg we're going to consistently see games postponed at this point cam uh, i i know that we all want to see football but i'll tell you i was really cautious i was really hesitant there for a while but when I found out that they could do daily testing, that's what really did it for me. And it, it, that's when I could get a little more comfortable with it. Because I think if they're being tested every day, then if you go out on the field, then you've been tested. And if you're negative, you're negative, And people can feel a little more comfortable with that. Uh, and so I, I'm going to go on it now as long as that's happening. So I don't blame the Big Ten for being hesitant. Uh, and I don't really blame the Pac-12 being a little careful with this too as long as they uh, can get that testing taken care of and that's what really changed my mind yeah i'm I'm in the same boat there with you as well i think there's probably two two ends of the spectrum don't do what the sec did and just say we're going to play regardless of player health and and, you know say you know whatever you think is wrong we're going to go with it and then don't do what the big 10 has done where you make a rash decision to cancel and then automatically you know go back on your word i think Honestly, the Pac-12 could have done it a little bit better as well, but they seem to be the four, the, the foremost in terms of player safety is the biggest thing. Until we have some sort of groundbreaking change, we're not coming back. And then I agree that the daily testing capability is, I mean, that's that's amazing because you said it. You could be negative that day. Why couldn't you practice? At that point, as long as you can keep doing the daily testing, I don't see why we can't keep going forward with the season. So welcome back football and welcome back a bunch of uh, poor kids getting their nose prodded every day. Yeah. No doubt. Cam, there's another issue for me, uh, and we saw it in week two of the National Football League, a rash of injuries to high-level players yesterday. And you know, these are kids hoping to one day, young men, I shouldn't say kids, young men hoping to be in that same situation in the National Football League, living their dream and making, obviously, uh, a good living doing that. But uh, – Coaches have got to be careful, and they've got to listen, I think, also to their athletic staff that, look, uh, you get back on the field, you've got some high-level talent out there that you cannot afford uh, for not only your team but for their future to get injured just to get a football game in. 
I mean, that's one of my other concerns in this issue. Right, and I would agree with you, too. I think there's also another, you know, sort of two ends of that spectrum. Get out there and, and do a limited practice facility or practice rep and, and don't do maybe necessarily what you were going to do in a non-coronavirus season. And, you know, if you're able to, obviously we know Oregon and California can't do full 11 on 11 at this point. They can't even do 7 on 7 in California from what I've read as well. So don't quite do that, but also, you know, don't do what Navy did and don't not tackle. I think you have to get these kids accustomed because when the other team, another jersey, another color jersey is going to be smacking in the face and you haven't touched anybody or, or even tackled anybody or come close to it, you know, it's a big, that's a huge difference. And, I mean, we saw this obviously last or two Mondays ago. So at this point, I think a, a sort of great variety in practices should help alleviate some of those injuries. But, I mean, it's it's pretty staggering to see. I mean, if, if a major entity is writing 21 major injuries that are going to affect the season that's you know that there's quite a few injuries and that's just that's where we were at for week two so it's a bit scary to me and i think as long as you know it can be done properly in practice and get these kids out there i think that's you know another huge hurdle the pac-12 has to has to cop over here with some of the uh, delays in uh the starting of the seasons in some conferences and obviously we talked about the big 10 and the pac-12 being delayed to start uh it's given opportunities for some other schools to uh to to creep into the uh into the polls into the rankings and whatnot are you a believer in any of these teams or is this just too early to tell teams like byu they handled navy so easily i I think we're a little too early to tell but i think as other teams start to sort of come around and play a few more games you know navy coming back and beating tulane as they did makes the byu win look a little bit better that first half against tulane where navy looked like a, a shell of what they look like even against BYU, you know, the BYU win looked maybe iffy, but with them to come back and, and play the way they did in the second half, it makes the game look a little bit better. So I think we're slowly seeing that. I think it's a little too early when you're talking about guys that have already had a bye week that are still leading the nation in some sort of specific, or, you know stat categories like receiving yards. That just shows how teams haven't been playing. But I think it'll ultimately work itself out. But I'm, I'm a believer probably in maybe one, of, one or two of those teams in the AAC, maybe UCF, maybe Cincinnati. But, again, it's a little too early to tell for me to believe one of these group of five or even independent programs can, can compete with, especially the 14 teams in the SEC we have coming back this weekend. Yeah, Gordon, Cam, I tell you what, I'm looking at the top 25, both in college, uh, the coaches poll and the AP top 20. And to your point, Gordon, I mean, look, it's fun because there are teams that probably have never even had a chance to put a toe in the top 25. But, uh, you know, you got Memphis, you have uh, Army at 2-0. Uh, Kentucky has not played, but still ranked top 25, along with Marshall, who's 2-0. I mean, this is chances for other teams to get some uh, little national recognition and some airtime indeed. But, you know, I I guess, Cam, what you're saying, uh, once they open the floodgates and the big five conferences start to play, those other teams are going to be pushed out just because of, uh, well, that's history of college football, right? The big five rules in in most cases. That's the way. That's unfortunately the way it works. So once we start instituting some of those Big Ten schools, because I mean you got to you got to figure that Ohio State comes right back into the top ten, top five right. even at this point too, and the Michigans that just get in there by name alone and not recent history. So uh, yeah, unfortunately some of those programs like even an Army at two and zero, they'll they'll get bumped out most likely. And it, it is it has been nice though. I think the the college football world has been opened up to you know group of five football is still really fun. There's some fun programs to watch out there south alabama's been super fun utsa has been very fun to watch football troy's been fun to watch as well so this game coming up too should be a lot of fun to watch for the fans that don't necessarily you know pay attention to these what they would quote call smaller levels of of 
of play on the field, I guess. I've got an attendant question with that, and it's kind of a complicated one, but maybe you have an answer. I haven't been able to find one that really satisfies me yet. But it's the, it's the, same, it's the usual suspects, right? I mean, Clemson at the top and Alabama and teams like LSU and some of the ones you mentioned. I mean, is it, it seems like it's a broken record. It's the same thing over and over again. Is there anything that can be done to mix that up a little bit? Or do you think it's just this is written in the – in the cement, and that's the way it's going to be. I think, unfortunately, it's probably written in the cement, at least for now. Maybe it's not quick-drying cement, and maybe it takes a little bit longer. But I think it goes back to recruiting and these programs that just all these recent history and, and the kids. Social media has become so influential to their decisions to commit and want to play for these programs that it's probably more so than in previous, where a guy like Bobby Bowden at FSU could be sitting in your house and your family believes him and you commit to play at Florida State. Nowadays, they're seeing Dabo Sweeney dance. They're seeing all the stats about Nick Saban's defense, and if you're a strong defender, you want to go play for him. So I think teams are going to have to slowly start to evolve their recruiting processes to get you know, an edge in that regard and then also coach them up. And I think coaching longevity also is, is probably another another one of those big things as well. So I think it, it, it all probably goes back down to recruiting in my book as to when we start seeing programs sort of develop and then stay there, and then that's ultimately where, you know, they get it by name alone too. But you got to be able to back it up on the field for, for maybe more than one or two seasons at this point. Cam Miller from Sportsbeat Nation, college football analyst and writer. We're taking you all over the place, Cam, on this convo because there's topics every every day. Something changes. And the other one I wanted to get your take. I mean, people you've talked to around different parts of the country, What what is your take on the fan base? Sometimes we forget about, you know, the fans, which really, as I remember in the SEC uh, back in the day calling games, was that's a religion. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's many cities pop up right overnight around Auburn and Alabama, Tuscaloosa. Um, but have you gotten a feel with this delay in football? Are the fans, is there an anger and acceptance or is it a combination of the two? I'd say there's a little bit of both. It depends on, on your region. You know, I'm, I'm from the South as well. I'm from, I went to Florida State where Tallahassee becomes the most populated city in the state at, on game days. So <laughs> it was a big deal. It was a lot of fun. I think those fans are sort of, I mean, again, I think it's a little bit of push and pull. I live in Columbus now where, you know, I have fans here and people that are involved in the program that, are, that said that they're not going to watch football at all until Ohio State can come back. I, and I can literally see. You don't, I don't go out nowadays too much. But when I was going out before the Big Ten was back, no one was wearing Ohio State clothing. And now all of a sudden they're back, and it is everywhere. So I think there's some fair weatherness to some of these fans around here, and I think that they were probably a little angry, a little spiteful. Uh, but now that their program may be coming back, I think we'll see it. But And I, and this is not just tooting the horn of you guys there, but I will say I put out a tweet this, this offseason, and, and it was a question of who the best fan base is. I've never interacted with a fan base like the BYU fan base based on the just – how kind everybody is, but how passionate they are. I absolutely love being an honorary Cougar. Uh, well, I can tell you from uh, past experience, I got the scars to prove it that they're not always kind. <laughs> I think, I think might, hey, Cam, my distance, then. Cam, honestly, I think uh, Gordon, uh, he, yeah, he, he's had a few darts and a few, uh, yeah, he's, he's had a few. Yeah, you do have scars, pal. I'm glad they all healed up. 
Yeah, I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm okay. Uh, no need for concern. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to ask you, Cam, what's the deal with Deion Sanders deciding to be the head football coach at Jackson State? And does this kind of – he said God called him to it, but uh, that's neither here nor there. What uh, what <laughs> Will this make a difference, and, and, and could this, uh, this kind of thing become a trend? I, I think I think the latter. Yes, it could become a trend, but I don't know how much of a difference it's going to matter because it's still just Jackson State. I know it's uh, an HBCU, and I get that, and I know that we want to bring them back. I'm all for that, and I'm all for it, but until the, the level of play around them gets a little bit better, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to recruit and for them to to make or to increase everything about the program that I think you would want to. Uh, I think it's more of a splash higher than it is anything else because I'm not sure that what he's done recently would, would showcase that he would be a great hire or a great move for a program that wants to be on the up and up. I think it's more of a splash hire than anything else. Yeah, Cam, that's that's an interesting take. Uh, I think it, at first he's going to get a lot of uh, cameras in his face and a lot of uh, fingers, you know, pointing at his program. But bottom line is, even alums, you got to win, right? You got to win. <laughs> yep. At that you point, you can recruit. It comes back to recruiting, but you got to at least prove it on the field a couple a couple of seasons for sure, too. What What was that dance he always did? What was that? The little Dion shuffle. You can only do that so the many Dion times. Shuffle. Yeah, you right? can only do. Yeah, you only do that a few times on the sideline, then it's it's over. It's done unless you win. That's, and I, that's I'm an, most... this is an FSU alum where, you know, I'm the first major <laughs> famous player I interviewed was actually Deion Sanders, too. So uh, oh, I have a personal connection to the family. So that's even <laughs> me saying that. So. Yeah. There's, uh, yeah. there's no, nothing more true than what you said. It all comes down to winning, man. That's, it always does. Yeah, it's great to have you, but you know what? You're uh, three and twenty-one, and you have to go. So, but, but no, I wish I wish Dion well. Maybe maybe you know he'll break the mold and and become a, you know they'll become a powerhouse. Hey, Cam, great insight, man. We appreciate your time. Uh, Cam My Miller pleasure. from Sportsbeat Nation. We'll talk to you again real soon. All right, thanks for having me, guys. All right, that's some fun stuff, Gordo. Uh, I forgot about uh, uh, Dion taking that head coaching job. Saw that uh, early this morning. Do you think that a lot of people say that great players don't always make good coaches because they, they, for whatever reason, so much of it came came uh, through their great talent. But uh, I don't, it'll all depend. He'll have to work hard, man. I mean, it, it, you have to do the work in order to make it work. And I don't know if Dion's really committed. Maybe he can make a statement at a place like that. I don't know. You make a great point. Gordon, because I'm a believer, too, that many former players, they do their their practice, they go in to their team meeting and then released. They don't know, in reality, the long hours it takes in preparation because you're not just in charge of yourself. You're not going to be in charge of 90 to 100 young men, right, with a staff as well and man it's it's a 20 hour a day job yeah um and i don't know if dion he may like the lights and i think if you ask the kevin McHales, the larry birds uh, the magic johnsons of the ba uh mike ditka you know obviously had success with chicago i'm just trying to think of players who made that jump uh, you know, Dan Marino for three days was the general manager of the Dolphins and said, forget it. Right. And went and went back to television at CBS. I mean, I, I think that that's the separator. Right. You'll agree. You have got to be have the work ethic and you have got to put the hours in and your coaching staff has to believe in that in that work ethic as well. 
Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're looking after a hundred student athletes and having to keep track of everything that's going on, yeah, you got some assistants to help you and to take care of some of those details, but ultimately it lands at your feet, and you better be on top of everything, or else I don't care how famous you are or what a how great a player you were, it just doesn't matter if you're not willing to grind. Uh, great point. Hey, look, we got uh, we still have to talk about the NBA, where the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Heat, and the Celtics are. Uh, also, I want to get your thoughts about uh, Wingfoot, the U.S. Open. I've got a fun stat uh, about uh, how tough that course played out this week. And that's nothing new to Wingfoot, by the way. It's well known uh, for being one of the most dangerous, tough, uh, tough courses around uh, the, the, uh, the circuit, uh, especially for the U.S. Open. Uh, we'll come back, but don't forget, come on down. Uh, 1280 The Zone. We're outside Vivint Arena at the Utah Team Store, and I've got a pair of Don Issue Ones that I'm just looking at. Uh, they're on sale for 60 bucks, so this could be a great Christmas present or just a COVID. Uh, hey, get outside and have some fun shoe, but it's a great-looking shoe, by the way, black trimmed in some uh, uh green and black and white it's a great looking shoe but come on down sidewalk sale runs through uh saturday right here at the arena up to 80 percent off tees hats hoodies jerseys and more stay close bowler and monson back in a moment on 1280 the zone Jokic trying to disrupt rondo he puts it in here's davis four three in the Man of the day, Johnny Cash. And we bring in with a call, Anthony Davis. And the Lakers go 2-0 on Denver, 105-103. Craig Buller, Jack Gordon-Monson here on the big show. Jake Scott out on vacation. Jake, thanks for letting me sit in the chair. We're outside the arena. Team stores having their annual uh, sidewalk sale now through Saturday. And I still got you want some Don issue ones. I've got them here, 60 bucks. You can't beat that. So drop on by. There's a couple spaces. Ah, no, they're filling up now. But uh, come on by, and you can uh, jump in here, and there's plenty of sizes that go around. Gordon, I'm not sure what size you have, but uh, I'll, I'll set aside a pair for you, pal. I'm a 12. 12. Austin, what are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a 13. Whoa! Yeah, I never really grew into the grew into the the shoe size you should be six foot eight i know it was so exciting i got to seventh grade my feet exploded i thought this is it i'm on my way to the league man i'm gonna be in the association backing up stockton one of these days and then i never grew another inch taller forget about college man you're jumping out of high school right to the right to the right to the association yep this is but bowler this is what's happened to me for much of my life i was in 11 but the older i get the bigger i get and uh, it's really, I mean, my, really, yeah, yeah, is that all? It's, is, is your nose growing? Uh, your ears? <laughs> anything else? Or are you? What, what's going on? His nose grows all the time when he's telling stories. If you know what I mean. Huh? Oh, get out of here! It's all true. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But man, I'm, I'm up to a twelve now. So wow, next year a thirteen. I'll be. What are you? Eleven and a half? What are you? I'm, a, I'm eleven and change. Just depends on the right. cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, that, you that's bigger? true. That's true. In Have some brands, I'm a 12. Yeah, yeah. 
Austin, didn't mean to interrupt you. What? No, you I was gonna say, in some brands, I'm a 12. In yeah. some, I'm a 13. And yeah. uh, I'll bet uh, that uh, as I get older, I'm also growing, but not in the great ways. <laughs> Instead of foot, you're growing out. I got you. Yeah, my yeah. shoe doesn't change. My pants change. I'll tell you that. Yeah, you'll be a 42 before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going down to a 42. That's oh, crazy. that's great news. Yeah, that's great news. Oh, hey, uh, I'm glad he said that, not me. Uh, I get away with a visitor. <laughs> fun, fun line, right? Hey, uh, Gordon and and Austin, man, NBA. Uh, the bubble seal is amazing to me. It, it really is. You're down to four. Lakers, Denver, Heat, and the Boston. Let's start with uh, yesterday's game. Uh, Lakers up two now, two zero on Denver. They won at one hundred five, one hundred three. They had what another double digit lead. Denver comes back to take the lead, which is just in their wheelhouse, right? There's no yeah. panic. I got to give credit to Denver, and I know Jazz fans. From what I saw on Twitter, many have said, "Hey, you know what? The Jazz aren't in. I'm going to follow the Nuggets because of the respect, mm-hmm. the way they played against Utah. Uh, you know, they they knocked off." Uh, the the Clippers and now taking on uh, LeBron and the Lakers, um, AD at the horn. I don't yes. know if I'd rather lose by fifteen or twenty oh, or, yeah. or have him shout out Kobe as he said in his post game interview uh, when he knocked down the game winner with no time. What a shot! Unbelievable! And and you know I mean. Uh, Jokic was a little late getting over there, but his hand was kind of in the way. That was a tough shot, tough, tough shot. And for him to to make that, I wonder, Bowler, I wonder when I saw that happen, the the Nuggets have been so resilient. I wonder if that takes wind out of their sail or or not. Is it it really worse to lose on a last-second attempt like that than it is to get blown out? You know, I I wish I could... uh talk to Jamal Murray at this very moment and give you an an honest answer I I think in the league this happens you know throughout the regular season but Gordon in the playoffs in the Western Conference Finals has got to be a totally different feel when you think once again the magic is going to happen and you're going to fuel a comeback but Anthony Davis hits a incredible shot with what 1.2 and that's unbelievable great release you knew it was going down it was just smooth rhythm shot he's a he's a hell of a player no doubt Mm -hmm. and you know were you surprised and i'm just wondering what fans thought Uh, i guess i was i almost said it's going it's got to be lebron but i then i realized that who brought him back was was ad yep and you know had scored in what 10 straight points for the lakers and so no that 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 play by Vogel was was drawn up not for LeBron. That right. was Anthony Davis's game to win. Sure was, and I don't blame him. And of course, as it turned out, it was all good. But uh, that's why I thought I understand what what Jokic was thinking. And you know, I mean, Anthony Davis standing way out there, but that thing was set up completely for him. And Jokic should have been up on him more. I mean, he he should have been there, and he he got there late. late. He got late. there late. His hand was up, and it was. Yep. That's what made it such a tough shot. But uh, I, I, man, that AD, that that kid is, he is really, really good. Everyone thought he was going to be good when he was coming out of college, but he's better. He's better than I thought he was going to be. Bowler, and he proved it in a tough situation like that. Did it bother right. you guys that Jamal Murray opted out of his media session, kind of threw uh. a little tantrum and? 
and walked away without giving an answer to to the to the media there i've always been one austin when i interview i want the guy there because i want the moment and you know that's kind of been taken away now with, with covid but it was going that way anyway uh where selected players were allowed to to speak but in the old days and i'm not trying to age ourselves here and austin you've been in this you you know what i'm talking about and it hasn't been that long ago where you had the ability to walk up to any player you wanted if you said hey have you got a minute and all you had i didn't ever run into a guy and put a mic in his face and said let's go i always say hey you you know give make some eye contact with him and say hey you got you got you ready to go yeah so that's how we did it and now you you seem to be a little bit more as the trend is moving right Austin and Gordon, where you really only have selected players that are selected for you. And now in the in the COVID bubble situation, it's hard to even get an interview. So I'm guessing it was a tough loss. Uh, he may wish he had stayed, but again, a young player that will most likely learn. I'm not trying to give him a pass because I'm a believer every guy should face the music. But in this case, he didn't. I agree with you, Bowler. He should have. And... Great players said, do. My point yeah. is, great players, right? Mm-hmm. Those are making that that are making their way to the top. That's where you have to. In the good times, it's easy. In the most difficult times, you still got to answer the bell because you're establishing yourself as a team leader and and a team spokesperson. And uh, you you are there to to represent the team. And so, yeah, uh, be it good uh, good times or bad, step up. And that's part of your job as a leader of that team. I know that's a tough way to lose, and I, and I get I get the anger, I get the disappointment. Uh, that and that and I think that speaks well for him. He cares deeply, but you got to learn your lesson and step up like uh, like like the leader you should be. Uh, both of you, Austin, have you been uh, stiff armed by? Uh, 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 even a college player professional collegiate player yeah not today but yeah most recently yeah it seems like every time you go to try and do some kind of interview with the the losing team no matter who it is you're you're dealing with people in bad in a bad mood and as they should be that means they care you don't right. want them in there whistling zippity doo after a loss like that. You don't want Jamal Murray looking forward to the media session. Oh, but I every, have, hey, let everybody in. <laughs> let, hey, hey, that guy over hey, come on in. Come, come take on a in. selfie with me. No, yeah. uh, I always had such great respect for a guy like Jake Heaps, who after that, that horrible game against Utah where he had all those turnovers and Utah beat BYU 54 to 10 or whatever, he was there Monday morning, bright and early, ready to do his interviews. And a guy like, you know, big haircut, Gordon Hayward, win, loss, or draw, he, he was always willing, not always happy, but always willing to give the media their time and answer their questions. It wasn't always the most sunny uh, of interviews, but I always have respect for guys that will talk in a win or talk after a loss no matter what. You know who was that way that I had great respect for? Jerry Sloan. Jerry Sloan. Well, whether the Jazz won or lost, Bowler, he he'd be the last up. one out of the parking lot. Yep. Because he stayed and talked. Yep. He did. Didn't matter what affiliation you were or how big or, or little you may, uh, who, what network or just local newspaper you were writing for. Yeah, he respected each and every one from, uh, from top to bottom. That reminds me uh, one time Reggie Jackson, uh, the baseball player, great. He uh, he was uh, he was they his team had just lost and so the, the reporters came up to him and I and I'll never forget 
Somebody asked him a question, and Reggie asked him what his what his what his circulation was. <laughs> <laughs> that mattered. He he took he took a. He took count of uh, what your circulation of papers. If you're under a hundred grand, I ain't talking to you. Forget it. Not worth my time. Not worth my time. You're with the the Pocatello Minute. No, next next paper. (laughs) Oh, I. You know, I've had so many interesting times where you know guys glare you down, but then they'll wait you if you stand there and just say you're. I'm not shying or moving away. Then they'll say, okay. You know, it, it, it's a game. It, it's, it's become a game at times. Uh, Have you ever had that. a confrontation, Bowler? Anybody ever rough you up? Anybody any, <laughs> any real bad experience, you know, where you, you, know, you almost dropped the mic to punch him in the nose? Yeah, I went three rounds with Malone. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, I got myself off the floor. Boom, down I go. No, Carl and I had a little spat years ago, but it was okay. I, I think he and I talked about it later, and it was something that his anger and my persistence and – you know, time goes by fairly fast. So before you know it, another season arrives, and we sit down and chatted, and, and we still talk to this day. But you know what? He's a passionate guy. You know, in the moment of sport, if you played at the, at the highest of level, I mean, if and Austin, you make a great point, man. If you don't care, that's when you have to worry, right? It's that when you – I had a situation. I'm not going to name the player because uh, – uh, maybe if the Jazz have interest in him, okay? So I won't, I won't mention it. But uh, they wait you out. And the thing is, they can hide in rooms, and they're saying they're getting treatment. And so I went the waiting game. I waited an hour and a half. And then I was told, the you know, the locker room closes, right? This is an NBA guy, as I hinted. And uh, I don't think any NFL guy is coming to play for the Jazz. But um, – it was one of those weird things where I thought, good grief, man. Don't tell me that you have the time and then hide. And then the other story on the flip side of that is the Hall of Famer and the all-time leading scorer of the NBA, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This was 88 when the Jazz were playing the Lakers. And everyone told me that Jabbar was the toughest guy in the world to talk to and don't even approach him. I said, what the heck? Uh, so I walk up, and, I, you know, here's the magic word. Kareem, do you mind if we have a moment to speak? And he looked at me and said, come on over. You're the first person in a week who's asked me if we can have a discussion. <laughs> and so I had this great one-on-one, and everyone there in the locker room was like, how did you do it? I just asked him, do you mind? And I said, you know, thank you. And they go, oh. Wow, we don't. We just put a, usually put a microphone in his face. He didn't like that in his latter years in the NBA, you know. And I get that. So I was lucky, but maybe just because, you know, he wanted to see some young old young young reporter and give him a give him a scoop or so. I don't know. Austin Bowler, do I need to tell the Greg Ostertag story? Why not? Tease it. Yeah, tease it. Let's just say that, uh, and I'll get it, I'll, I'll give the details. Not too many of them, but uh, Ostertag refused to talk to anybody except for me. And I'll I remember tell that. you what happened yeah, after I wanna, that. It I, was, it was I, rather I, distressing. Now, remind everybody why. This is a good story. This is a great I'd story. I'd take so, a shower with Greg Ostertag. <laughs> Austin, I don't know how you do it. Austin, I don't know how the heck you do it, man. They just come. You know, just at the most, uh, I mean, just the most appropriate times. I would Gordon would say. Greg Ostertag's Fred Flintstone tattoo. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I didn't have to strip down when I got in that shower. Oh, oh boy. It's always like this, isn't it, Austin, when I listen? It's always one joke away from uh, unemployment, yeah. Unemployment. There was no, there was, there was no bar of soap anywhere All inside. right. Okay, dokie. Guess I got to get us bail us out of this thing, right? Austin? Yeah, Here please. we go. Please. All right. Hey, we're coming back. Uh, the story uh, of uh, Gordon and Greg, uh, PG-13, <laughs> I think, is probably the way we can look at it. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll talk to Chris Mannix, uh, the NBA Daily Assist. Right now, don't forget, Team Store is up and running uh, outside Vivint Arena and inside. The sidewalk sale runs through Saturday. 80% off tees, hats, hoodies, jerseys, and more. And the Dawn Issue 1. The shoes, they're right here on sale for 60 bucks. Big Show continues after this. Greg Ostertag invited me into the shower area once. Well, my daddy left home when I was three, and he didn't leave much. <laughs> oh, Johnny Cash, our uh, band of the day. Uh, my name's Sue. One of the great songs. Did he sing any songs uh, from the shower? <laughs> well, you you were you interviewed somebody from the shower, so it's the big show rolling back as we head to the four o'clock hour. There's no better four o'clock hour or nearing the four o'clock hour story than. One Gordon Monson <laughs> will share his story interviewing one Greg Ostertag. Gordo, how, just tell me how this even could – I could even think this happened or occurred. Well, for whatever reason, Greg was on a bit of a angry streak. He was known to do that, by the way, yeah, a few times. Yeah, on occasion. Yeah. And he decided, he came Bad to the tattoo. conclusion that he, <laughs> that he wasn't going to talk to anybody in the media. And I think it was into the playoffs, mm-hmm. and he wasn't talking. Right. But I had talked with him about something earlier. We got in a discussion, and it, it, for whatever reason, it intrigued him, and it flipped a switch, and he told me, I will talk to you, but you're the only one I'm talking to. What, and you so, remember the year this was? Oh, man, I can't remember. But it was in those years where, yeah. you know, the Jazz were pretty, really, uh, you know, really good. And so I said to him, uh, I think it was before a game, I said, uh, hey, Greg, about that interview, let's do it. He said, okay, I'll talk to you after the game. So I said, okay. So we'll watch the game, whatever, and, and uh, I don't remember who won or lost that game. But uh, afterward, I go into the Jazz uh, locker room, and I'm standing there, and things were a little looser back then. But uh, so Greg, uh, he sees me standing there and he waves me back into the shower area. Now, Bowler, I've been in the training room. Yeah. I have I've never been in the shower. I've never been in the jazz shower. Never wandered in there. You never soaked up? <laughs> nope, never did. But, <laughs> but Ostertag Throw me a towel. Said, Throw me a towel. I see his, he, he peeks around the corner and he says, come on, come on back here. Because he wanted me to get me away from everybody else because he wanted to talk to me, not everybody else. So I go back around. I go around the corner. I step into the shower, and Ostertag's not there originally, but then he comes around the corner, and there he is, all seven foot one of Greg Ostertag uh, in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the buff. It's Birthday just suit. a naked man. And so there I am, and you know, Greg is seven foot one, and I'm six foot one, and so I mean, I was, 
uh, vertically challenged a little bit, and he is absolutely, like I said, buck naked. And I, and I, I, and, and so he goes, okay, what do you want to talk about? He's standing there, and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I said, uh, I started to ask a question, and then I said, I'll tell you what, Greg, let's do this a different time, a different setting, because I, I mean, like I said, all of all seven foot one of, yeah, of Greg yeah. Ostertag right in front of me. And uh, I got a little uncomfortable with that. Did he say, like, what's bugging you there, big fella, or what? <laughs> Can you get the spot I missed? Or? I, I've... <laughs> Can you throw me a towel? <laughs> he, said, he said, yeah, I missed a spot back there. Would you mind? <laughs> Can't quite reach it there, friend. <laughs> uh, but but I, uh, I, <laughs> I just... You know, I, I call me foolish or whatever, but I just I did not feel like uh, interviewing Greg as uh, as all of him is right there in I front of me. Grow up. And, and, and you know what, Gordon? You may have missed your best interview yeah. of your career. <laughs> yeah, you prude. I know. This could have been this could have been something, but I was this afraid of breaking. I was afraid if I asked him the wrong question, you know, I, I didn't want any surprises, you know. So oh this my. is this is this is so I always uh. wondered, though, and I never <laughs> asked him. I never flat out asked him, but I don't know whether he did it on purpose or not. Of course he did. That's exactly what a, a he wanted to see if do. you actually would walk back and yes. talk to him in the shower. <laughs> you know, that's a typical tag move, man. I could see him just going, ha <laughs> ha. You know, anybody's got a Fred Flintstone uh, tattoo on his calf is going to pull some some jokes on you. You ever see the footage I, of that I, I guy saw, playing I hockey? Saw, by the way, I saw yes. the tattoo, but I didn't see. You know, if he'd had another tattoo, I would have seen that too because it was yes, all right there. Yeah, his hockey. <laughs> uh, what do you think of his hockey? Uh, it his, is. His he's a good game. He's a good hockey player, but it yeah, is just a sight to behold to see, as you've so noted, Gordon, seven on, foot one out there on the ice. Hey, is that video on YouTube? Because I if you haven't know. seen it, it you go look for Ostertag hockey, and and see him on skates. Uh, he's he's pretty talented. I mean, I, I was shocked. It looks better like a, some Pee Wee's Pee Wee athlete's dad got in on a game. Yeah, yes. exactly right. Yeah, I don't well, think he, Tag ever will remember, will ever know just how good he could have been. That's bottom have you, line. Have you seen him strike a golf ball? Yes, he can. He can hit that sucker a long, long he way. He is talented. There's, yeah, yeah. As Jerry he, Sloan he even, said, uh, Gordo. As Jerry always said, we get Oster Tag every third game. Well, he he said that. He said that on our show. He said uh, that he, after all the years, that he regretted that he didn't put as much into it as he could have. And I agree with you, Bowler. He he could have, if he'd had a little different mindset, uh, he he could have uh, he could have made a difference. For hey, the we got to run to break. But yeah. do, do you go? Do you three remember the story though when he told Sloan he's making a comeback, and Sloan says where? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 Ostertag with with the Jazz. No, son, not here. <laughs> the bus he is wanted, full here, Greg. Yeah, he wanted to make a comeback, and, and Jerry just looked, stared him down and said, not here, son. <laughs> oh, that, that was a classic. And then I think he went into playing hockey, you know. Was, He's a fascinating guy. And, yeah, and the he, whole thing, he gave his sister his kidney. He's a fascinating, yeah, interesting yeah. man. He, yeah. said, he said, when I this, is, this has been well publicized, but I'll never forget in a different interview uh, talking to him, and I asked him, I said, if you had an empty day to do whatever you wanted, what would you do? And I was expecting him to say, you know, go skiing up in the Himalayas or do something exotic of some sort. And he said, 
I'd like to lay down in the grass under a tree and just watch the clouds blow by overhead. I thought you were going to say I want to take a shower. (laughs) No, I don't think uh, Greg had any great, uh, you know, affinity or affection for me uh, to put me in that kind of intimate setting. But there, there there was a little too much of Greg. I wanted to get a little information, and I got a whole lot of Greg. Yeah, what makes him tick? It, it still would be a great story to follow up on what he's doing today because uh, he always was fascinating and a player I thought that could really uh, could have achieved uh, even a higher level. You know, there were nights, man, that he dominated, but he changed. Uh, and, Austin, you, you remember uh, when Shaq got word that Ostertag felt like that he was dominating Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> the next time out on the warm-ups, the slap down occurred. The contacts popped out, and that was kind of a, a trigger point where Greg really hard, had a hard time ever regaining the confidence uh, that he ever had. Uh, Shaq, Shaq took him down a notch, uh, and yeah. I don't know if the Jazz teammates really came to his rescue. It was kind of one no, of those things didn't. like, you know what, dude, you're on your own. You know, you got to stand up to Shaq or you fall and melt, and, and Shaq uh, pretty much dominated that scene. There's a lot of stories, man, that happen in warm-ups, uh, shoot-arounds, and all those things that, that go down in the NBA. Your I manhood, hear, I hear from, your I manhood hear from is always challenged. What's that? I, say, I, think, I think a lot of times guys test each other's manhood. Are you going to stand up to me or not? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of those defining moments for Ostertag. Well, I hear from him every once in a while. He'll send me some sort of sarcastic uh, email. But uh, uh, remember, he, Austin, he claimed that he named his donkey after me. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Hey, Gordon. You know, that's funny. I'm out here. I've got cows and chickens and donkeys, and I named one of my donkeys after you. <laughs> yeah, but it was probably the smartest donkey yet, right? Oh, no, it's the dumb one who always runs into the fence. <laughs> <laughs> that was you, Bowler. You were it was. It. That was a classic. That was a great interview. Uh, next time, Austin, you ought to get him on again, man. That guy just yeah. is full of it. What a great – what a – and when – when he interviewed, he's, he's he, he always hard. had something to say, man. Unbelievable. Hey, we'll talk more NBA. Chris Mannix uh, from NBA Daily Assist is going to join us uh, just after the top of the hour. Stay tuned for that. We'll talk Lakers, Denver, how that series is shaping up. And I want to get his thoughts too, Gordo, on Hayward's return uh, against the Heat in Game 3. Not much yeah. of an impact, but did he help Boston spread this floor and make it tougher on the Heat uh, to knock off the Celtics? We'll talk uh, to Chris Mannix coming up next right here on 1280 The Zone, The Big Show.